Welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, it is good to be with you today, and uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to continue uh, our conversation on theology. And today we are going to uh, discuss Christology. Uh, But before we do that, I do want to just briefly... um, pause here and just make a brief case for why it is important that we're that we're doing this and, and going through this um, you know why devote uh, time to a series on theology um, because it's foundational to everything that we that we believe and I want to bring maybe just a couple of outside quotes in to help develop this point a little bit um, A.W. Pink writes in his attributes of God the following. He says, quote, "...comparatively few who occasionally read the Bible are aware of the awe-inspiring and worship-provoking grandeur of the divine character, that God is great in wisdom, wondrous in power, yet full of mercy, is assumed by many as common knowledge." But to en- entertain anything approaching an adequate conception of his being, nature, and attributes as revealed in the scripture is something which very few people in these degenerate times have done. God is solitary in his excellency. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? End quote. Um, Tozer writes in Knowledge of the Holy, and I think it was back in episode 27 that I... Uh, reference this quote, but it's definitely worth bringing up again. And he says something similar to uh, to Pink, and I think goes a little bit further in evaluating the times. He says this, quote, the church has surrendered her once lofty concept of God and has uh, substituted it for one so low, so ignoble as to be utterly unworthy of thinking, worshiping men. The low view of God entertained almost universally among Christians is the cause of a hundred lesser evils everywhere among us. This loss of the concept of majesty has come just when the forces of religion are making dramatic gains and the churches are more prosperous than at any time within the past several hundred years. Excuse me. But the alarming thing is that our gains are mostly external and our losses wholly internal. And since it is the quality of our religion that is affected by internal conditions, it may be that our supposed gains are but losses spread over a wider field. He then continues on uh, a little bit later and says this, quote, If we would bring back spiritual power to our lives, we must begin to think of God more nearly as he is. Apparently, not many Christians will wade through hundreds of pages of heavy religious matter requiring sustained concentration, end quote. I, I remember when I was in college, um, we were encouraged to build our biographies of God. And at the time, I really foolishly said to myself, you know, okay, I get that. I understand that. I know who God is. I'm not here to learn about that. I'm here to learn about all the other important stuff, like how to win debates with atheists and those kinds of things. And I obviously see the folly in that now um, and wish that I had taken that more seriously then. Uh, The knowledge of God, the attributes of God, the character of God, theology is foundational to everything that we believe and do. How do we know who we are? 
theology. How do we know who God is? Theology. How do we know what God expects from us? Theology. How do we know what church should look like? Theology. How do we know what justice is? Theology. How do we fight addiction? A theology. How do we know how we should treat others? Theology. How do we make wise entertainment choices? Theology. How do we view marriage? Theology. What should we spend our money on? Theology. And on and on it goes. Every practical decision that I can make in the world has a touch point somewhere with with theology. I ought to be making my decisions to glorify God, and the only way I can do that is if I am making those decisions informed by his word. Uh, But I can't manufacture that in others. Uh, Tozer later writes in his book, I think it's the last chapter uh, of the book, um, but he says this, uh, quote, I can no more do justice to that awesome and wonder-filled theme than a child can grasp a star. Still, by reaching toward the star, the child may call attention to it and even indicate the direction one must look to see it. So as I stretch my heart toward the high, shining love of God, Someone who has not before known about it may be encouraged to look up and have hope, end quote. I can point to it. Um, I can point to the Word. I can point to God, and I can hope that you will look. Uh, And I want to simply do that even today, pointing to God by looking at the Son, Jesus Christ, Uh, I want to read to you our church doctrinal statement that says this, We believe Jesus Christ is truly God and truly human. We believe he was born of a virgin to provide salvation to mankind by living in complete obedience to God and dying on the cross in our place. We believe Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man, and as such, each believer has equal access to God. We believe his resurrection guarantees his authority to forgive sins, And his deity makes him worthy to receive all our adoration, praise, love, and worship. So here's what I want to do uh, with this today. I don't want to um, go through every single point on here. Uh, I just was was thinking perhaps one argument for the deity of Christ. The, The first statement here is, we believe Jesus Christ is truly God. Now, in our doctrinal statement on our website, we have Psalm 45, 6 to 7, John 1, 1. Uh, but I, I thought, let me make this hopefully not only um, um, informative in that we understand Christ as God, but perhaps practical in the sense of we all have Jehovah's Witnesses coming to the door um, and maybe something that, that would be helpful in that particular context. And remember, by the way, uh, the point is not to win an argument, uh, but it is to point people to Christ who is uh, who is our Savior. So I want to maybe just mention one argument, uh, one one uh, way of thinking to help uh, in this particular area. And there's really two verses, actually three, but two, and then we'll eventually narrow it down to one verse. But Isaiah 44, 24 is the first one, and it simply reads this, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. Now, here's what's important and noteworthy about this verse. It specifies that God created the universe alone and by himself. There was nobody with God. There were no angels. It was God and God alone that created. Now, the second verse that we're going to run to can be either Colossians 1.16 or John 1.3. If you're specifically talking to a Jehovah's Witness— 
I would suggest you use John 1, 3, and I'll explain that in a moment. But I'm going to read both of them here. Colossians 1, 16 says it. So remember, Isaiah 44, God alone created. Colossians 1, 16, I'm not going to read all the context, but it is referring to Christ. For by him, that is Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. So Jesus created all things, John 1, 3, all things were made through him, again, Christ, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, in both of these verses, you have Jesus identified as the creator. Colossians says that all things were created by him. John says nothing was made without Christ. So the implication for us should be very obvious. In the Isaiah passage, we read God alone created. In Colossians and John, we're told Jesus created. And so the conclusion and the implication to that simply is that Jesus Christ is God. Again, the first statement in our particular doctrinal, or, or, or our statement on Christology in our doctrinal statement. Uh, and, and if you are talking to a Jehovah's Witness, you can also use their translation to demonstrate this to them. So theirs is the uh, New World Translation, and Isaiah 44, 24, in their translation, says this. This is what Jehovah says, your repurchaser, who formed you since you were in the womb. I am Jehovah who made everything. I stretch out the heavens by myself, and I spread out the earth. Who was with me? And they end on a rhetorical question, who was with me, which implies nobody was with me. Um, so he's by himself. And then John 1.3, again in their translation, says, all things came into existence through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. And so, a little bit different, but the same just in both of those verses. What is interesting, though, is that the Jehovah's Witnesses changed the Colossians text, but apparently missed, or I don't know, overlooked, or whatever, the John 1 text. Uh, Colossians 1.16, in their translation, says this. Because by means of him, all other things were created in the heavens and on the earth, the things visible and the things invisible, whether they are thrones or lordships or governments or authorities, all other things have been created through him and for him. So the word other uh, is added. It's not in the text. It's not in the Greek. Uh, it's simply been added to the text it reveals their obvious bias that Jesus is not God. Um, the text says, by him all things were created, and their translation says, by him all other things were created. And so when you acknowledge that all things were created by him, you're forced to admit that Jesus himself was not created. Uh, and that's something that they don't want to uh, admit, obviously. So it's going to be best to use John 1.3 since they apparently missed altering that text in their translation. But there is an even shorter argument uh, where you can use just John 1.3, and you don't really need the Isaiah passage, although that's helpful. There is an article that I would commend to you. Um, I believe it's on the Gospel Coalition website, uh, but it is how to use the back of a napkin to prove to a Jehovah's Witness that Jesus is God. 
Uh, Greg Kokel is the one who uh, wrote that article originally. Um, and uh, in that article, he sets up the conversation this way. And by the way, you may want to go look at this because there is uh, it does show you the graphic. And so if you uh, aren't following what, what how I'm explaining this here, then, then perhaps that'd be helpful for you. But basically, he draws a box and draws a line down the middle. And so now you've got two boxes connected together. And at the top of both of those boxes, he writes everything that exists. Okay, so everything that exists is going to be in one of these two boxes. Now, in the left box at the top, he writes all things that never came into being. Okay, so what would go in the left box? Obviously, God. God never came into being. So God goes in that left box. And in the right box, he writes all things that came into being. Um, and so in that side, you obviously have all of creation. So God is in the left Everything uh, created goes in the right. The law of the excluded middle means that there is nothing outside of those two boxes. Everything was either created or it was not created. Everything either came into being or uh, it did not come into being. And so that which did not come into being is God because he was not created. He is eternal. And that which was created is all of creation. Uh, that had a beginning that is not eternal. Okay, so hopefully you're following me so far. Um, now, underneath the box on the right, which is the creation box, he writes with an arrow pointing to it, created through Jesus. So Jesus, according to John 1-3, created everything in the box on the right-hand side. Jesus is the one who did that. By him, all things uh, came to exist in John 1-3. So... God in the left, creation in the right, Jesus creates everything on the right. So the challenge is in his article, and again, I think this is a helpful concept, the challenge that he gives is to give them a quarter and to have them put that quarter in the box where Jesus belongs. Does Jesus belong in the left box or does he belong in the right box? Does he belong in the box that he was not created, or does he belong in the box that he was created? Now, of course, they will want to put it in the right box, but the problem with putting that coin in the right box is that you're left with the absurd conclusion that Jesus created himself or, or that he existed before he was created, um, and we certainly can't have that. So there's kind of a logical conundrum to put Jesus in the right box. Jesus cannot be created because he created everything. And if everything was created by him, uh, then, then he himself cannot be part of that group of created things, or he would have had to exist before he was created. Um, and so Jesus cannot have been, uh, Jesus has not come into existence at any point. And that's the argument. Uh, I think it's a helpful one. I've used it before, by the way. Uh, I think it's an easy one to remember if you review it a few times. You know, the title of the article, using the back of a napkin, it's helpful because, you know, I mean, anywhere you've got a pen and something to write on, uh, you can you can give this argument. Um, and of course, we always need to be equipped as believers in Christ to have a conversation with someone uh, on on our faith and someone who especially would question the deity of Christ, which would be the Jehovah's Witnesses who often show up at our front doors 
And um, and typically this is a, a cult thing, by the way, who uh, they deny the deity of Christ. So uh, it can be used in a lot more context than this, but at least this is one that we can uh, use it. And it's crucial to get this. It's crucial to get this whole concept of the deity of Christ because if you take away his deity, then there's no longer any effective atonement. There's no provision for salvation. And that is why it's so crucial to get the deity of Christ right. But we'll get to that a little bit more when we take a look at the gospel in a future episode. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.